Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day workshop for men seeking to overcome any destructive sexual habits. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery with decades of combined experience. Read testimony of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. I want to personally invite you to be part of our next workshop coming up March 4th through the 6th in Colorado. So call us today at 1-800-497-8748 or visit gatewaymen.com. Welcome to Pure Sex Radio, training men, educating women. Are you ready to get real and start living each day in purity? This dynamic program is designed to educate, encourage, and equip listeners with the tools necessary for living a life of sexual purity. Pure Sex Radio brings you the best in mobile talk radio. Listen to real life struggles, learn how to overcome lust, pornography, and sex addiction, and get serious about purity. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you here with us. My name's Jonathan, and I've got a guest here in the studio with us. It's uh, Dan Wabshaw. How are you today? I'm very well. Thank you, Jonathan. Excellent. Well, Dan is the newest member of the Be Broken family, so he's come on board to help us out with some of our Gateway to Freedom workshop stuff and uh, and also help with some mentoring things and maybe produce some materials for couples and you know marriages. So, He's got a lot ahead of him, but uh, I wanted to take advantage. He had come down to be part of our uh, workshop here in Texas, and I thought, man, while I got him in in Texas, we might as well bring him into the office and take advantage of getting him on the air instead of having to do it over the phone or anything like that. So I appreciate you being in here. Now, before we dive into talking with Dan and kind of hearing about his story and where God has brought him I just want to remind you, as we do periodically, that we are a listener-supported broadcast. So all of the programs that are produced on our radio show are done so because of the generous donations of listeners like you. So if you feel like you have been helped, you want to continue to see our ministry expand into new territories with uh, new listeners, please consider partnering with us. You can do so by simply going to puresexradio.com and clicking on the Donate button. And you can find out about all the different ways that you can partner with us. Well, Dan, what I'd like to do, and I think what our listeners would appreciate, is just hearing your story. I mean, that's one of the values that we have at Be Broken is story. And so why don't you share with our listeners just kind of a little bit of your history and then kind of your story of sexual brokenness and really how you got into recovery. 
Uh, and, and we'll probably have another broadcast in which we ask you about some of the insights and things you've learned along the recovery journey. But for now, just tell us your story so that we can maybe invite our listeners to have the confidence to maybe share their story with those in their sphere of influence. Well, I appreciate the opportunity uh, to do just that, Jonathan. Um, a little bit about me, uh, just very briefly. Uh, married to the same amazing lady, uh, name of Julie, for what is now 31 plus years. We have three amazing daughters, uh, all adult daughters, um, two of which live here in Texas. Woo! Yeah. yeah, exactly. Houston and El Paso, and our oldest daughter lives in Florida, which will uh, soon to be our home by midsummer of of next year at the latest. Nice. So I guess the let's just go back to where my journey began at at the age of twelve. Um, I was exposed for the first time to pornography in our home. And uh, it was material that my dad had um, in the home for his own use. Uh, it was never placed intentionally in front of me, but calling it hidden uh, was a little bit of a, an understatement. It wasn't hard to find, and I did come across some by accident. And as I reflect on that first eyeball-to-paper eye uh, naked woman, uh, it was an immediate capture of my mind and the the emotional rush. Um, I felt emotions, physical reactions that at age 12 I'd never experienced before. And it had my undivided attention immediately. Um, so as I discovered that one, um, then the next part was that was eventually wasn't quite enough, the magazines, and so what's more? So I started to search the house when mom and dad were gone, found videos, and probably f for the next five or six years, um, any time as a, a 12 and quickly a teenager then, that I encountered stress in my life, um, I didn't recognize it as medicating, but at mm -hmm. the time, that's what it was. It was the, the magazines, pornography, uh, videos, and masturbation. Um, and that's pretty much the way I lived pretty steadily for five or six years. And, you know, part of the background there for me is I was always a skinny kid. But up until age 16, I was a short skinny kid. And not very athletic. Uh, probably not the most adorable kid, at least from my perspective. So I got picked on a lot. So... Um, it was easy to find that escape as a way to um, seek some self-value, if you will, or, or mm -hmm. gratification. Now, what were some other issues in terms of just your home environment? What were your parents like? What was your, did you have any kind of upbringing that was uh, connected to uh, church or just what was school? Like? Just help us kind of paint a picture of the rest of the environment of your childhood as well. Yeah, my home was mom and dad were there present. I mean, they ultimately wound up being married over 60 years before my dad passed. Um, that said, I was the youngest of four, and there was nine years between my sister and I. Wow. So the reality is I was, as, as many would put it, I was an oops. I was the unexpected. Um, and my mom and dad were caring about each other. They They were outwardly loving, but yet at the same time, 
um, in many ways different from my siblings. My dad was distant from me. And what I was perceiving was that image of you're the oops, you're in my way, you're outside of the plans. And I felt that, or that's how I perceived that from my father as a child. Um, my mother was the emotional one. She was she was the one that, that picked up the emotional pieces that came when I just didn't do everything quite right, and I heard about it. I didn't hear a lot of well done, uh, but I certainly heard when I messed up, whether it was grades in school uh, or something, a project I was given at home, whatever it was. That said, we were a church-going family. Without fail, we were in church on Sunday morning, my father included. Now, for my mom, it was truly about church. It was far more about a relationship with God and Jesus. For my dad, it was a social event mm. to get together with friends. And... Um, as I, as I got older, you know, 15, 16, 17, I was going because I was told to, and I understood from a young age, I do not disrespect my parents. That's not acceptable. That was part of how we grew up. I was given some great tools to respect elders and authority um, from both my parents. So because of that, I just went. So overall, um, in the grand scheme of things, pretty healthy. As far as, you know, I was never struck, um, things like that. But a little bit of a disconnected dad and the pornography was there. Mom knew about it and chose to do little or nothing to keep it from me when she knew I had found it. Okay. So she she knew about it on two fronts. She knew that your dad had it. Oh, yeah. And then she knew that you were also looking at it. Correct. And so, um, do you think that ever played into some of her emotional outbursts toward you, or anything? I mean, in, a, in maybe almost a passive aggressive kind of way, or do you not think there was any connection there? Oh, I think so, because there were moments um, where she would get upset with my dad because it wasn't hidden, mm. and I would find it. And she would express that, and he essentially did, from my recollection of that those years, did very little or nothing about correcting any of it. And she also knew that. So um, as I got older, and you know, I can get to this, but I had to work on forgiveness on both fronts for both my dad having it there and my mom not stepping in more firmly to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And now I would imagine that if your mom knew about your viewing this pornography that somehow your dad had to know too? Or did oh. she just completely keep it a secret from him? No, they both knew. She told him to hide it because I had found it. So, But you it, never... So you knew that your mom knew though, right? Yeah, and my dad knew. But, you, but it sounds to me like you were expecting more communication from your mom, but your dad apparently just stayed completely... Oh, silent about? Completely about silent, it. yeah. And there was no birds, if you will, the birds and the bees discussions at all. Um, and like I say, part of what was difficult for me is I knew the attention my sister and my brothers got from dad about all kinds of activities in life. I did not get that. So I, I felt that somewhat disconnect, that, that emotional disconnect, an instructional disconnect from dad that my siblings got that I did not. Sure. And I think that was all 
I don't know, I'm guessing a little bit, but the reason I never heard from him about this issue, he didn't he didn't ever say, stop. I don't want you looking at this stuff. Yeah. Uh, so then what happened after you, let's say after high school? So once you maybe start getting out more, I mean, wh- take us through what happened after, let's say, you get out of the house. Well, it's interesting. Part of this is I turned 18 um, and was working full-time. I'd, I had become an EMT right at age 18. And I was still living at home into up until age 23. Um, I was never encouraged to leave the house. So because rent was free and, you know, it wasn't a hostile place to be by any means, I didn't leave. And I did have an older brother that stayed till he was almost 30. So the example had been set and there was room. But I had great freedom to come and go whenever I wanted without any kind of accountability Mm -hmm. to my schedule. And um, so as I, as I grew into my adult years, that whole, that whole addiction to pornography and the use by that point had grown into, like with so many other things, but in particular pornography, it'll take you farther than you ever think it can and are willing to accept that it will. So I started to look at more and more deviant things uh, as a young adult to be able to get that same high sure, yeah. for masturbation purposes, all of that. But I had such a inferior view of self because of being picked on for years through high school mm-hmm. that I dated zero girls in high school. Now, what's odd is I had many friendships with females because I spent the predominant amount of my time in the summer months either by myself with friends or hanging out with mom and the neighbor ladies. Nothing uh, inappropriate ever happened there, but I became very comfortable around females. Mm -hmm. So I had all kinds of female friends, great female friends, deep relationships, but none of them were sexual. Yeah. So how did that, uh, how did that make you feel at that time though? Uh, Because would you say that you were, desiring a relationship, you were wanting a romantic relationship. So how did you sort of bridge that gap or how did you deal with the fact that you you had all these great female friends, you're looking at pornography all the time, but you have a desire to actually have a relationship with somebody. Right. In my mind, I was attempting to cross the friendship boundary in some subtle ways, but they always push back, but never enough to make me turn on them or to say, well, you're just being mean and I don't like you anymore. Mm-hmm. So to fill that gap, I was con- that's where pornography was continuing in my mind to be that pseudo-sex or that pseudo-loving type experience for me. And I carried that into uh, the point where I had my first um, girlfriend, genuine, and I didn't lose my virginity until I was 20 years old. I had been promiscuous in every other sense of the word um, up until that point. Mm-hmm. So pornography, videos, magazines, fantasy were all part of fulfilling that void. Did anything change when you went and crossed what we might call the flesh boundary? When you went beyond pornography and were was sexual with somebody, did things change at that point? For a very brief period, and I would say brief as in two weeks. Um, and then actually I was 
at the at now I realize buying the lie that pornography would uh, enhance that relationship and continued to use it. Although that girl, that first girlfriend at that time, I don't think she knew because I don't recall ever telling her. Um, but I was using that to to motivate my fantasy life and then attempt to live it out. Yeah. Now, what happened at 23 where you're no longer living at home? Well, actually, I met my wife at that point. Um, and in full disclosure, my wife was married when I met her um, to a gentleman that I knew pretty well. And um, But I discovered that she was in a physically and emotionally abusive marriage. Um, I discovered that after a number of years. Um, and she was a very isolated wife. She was basically allowed to go to work, to come home, go to the store, and come back. She was very kept, if you will. Um, so not a lot of people knew her very well because she wasn't from our town originally. But she, we had mutual friends. Um, at the time, I was in law enforcement. I was a 911 dispatcher. So obviously, I knew the police, all the officers very well. Mm -hmm. uh, one of those officers and his wife were good friends of mine, but they were also, the wife was a mutual friend of Julie, who was then not even a girlfriend. So when all of this came out that Julie was being abused and she drew the last straw and said, you touch me again and I'm gone, that happened. She left. And by that nature, the only friends that my now wife, that Julie had, were this other couple, police officer and his wife, and quite frankly, myself. Mm -hmm. Now, all this entire time, I'm still wrapped up deeply in pornography. And I was still having a sexual relationship with another female. Uh, so, for the you know, my wife was desperate for help. She had nowhere to go, nobody to, to, to help her walk through the, what's next. I'm now on the verge of singleness in a community where I really don't know a whole lot of people. Mm -hmm. So I wish I could say that my intentions were totally honorable when I stepped into the relationship, more of a, a deeper friend with her to guide her through some things. Now, did I help her find a new job? Uh, and was that a genuine caring thing? Yes. Um, and to walk through some of the difficulties she was experiencing with her? Yes. But was there a hidden motive, even if back away is in my mind? Sure there was, because I, I was attracted to her. She, mm -hmm. She's still the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life, and she was then, too, in my eyes. Um, so I had ulterior motives to what I was doing. What was good had a very poor motive behind it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then moving forward in terms of developing this relationship, what, if anything, did she know about your pornography use? Zero. None. Okay. She had no clue that um, when I proposed to her on Valentine's Day and um, she said yes, which I was very worried about, she had no idea that baggage, is uh, that pornography addiction that I was dragging into a marriage because I really hadn't disclosed it to her mm -hmm. in the time that we've dated, um, and she did not discover it. 
So when was the first time in your relationship, in your marriage, that anything of that came out to any degree? I actually introduced videos to her in the early years of our marriage, say year three or four. As a tool, I said, I've been watching these. I didn't say I've been watching these for years. I said, I've been watching these and wonder if you'd be interested in watching it with me to see if you would enjoy it. And we can learn new things to do. And for a period of time, she willingly was watching. But the more deviant the material I was getting a hold of, eventually in her own mind, she got to the point where she said, I know mm-hmm. that there's the wall for me. And you would think I would wake up at that time and go, this is a problem. And of course not. So mm-hmm. um, so did we stop using it? Did I stop bringing it into the bedroom? No. But just because I was selfish enough, self-minded, self-centered enough, I still wanted to use it. So I just used and played videos we interacted with that she would tolerate. Mm-hmm. But what was going on that she didn't know about is now computer had become part of our life, partially because of a business that we owned at the time. So internet pornography, chat rooms, um, were now becoming a part of my life to meet those other fantasies where she wasn't willing to go. Sure. So now at what point um, would you say, you know, kind of looking at another aspect of your life, at what point would you say you had a full understanding of the gospel and you placed your faith in Christ? And how did that play a role? You know, when did when did that occur? Uh, what was your wife's background in terms of faith? And at what point did you together, you know, begin to uh, work in that aspect of your relationship? Uh, well, the, the the realization of the innate response to, I know what I'm doing is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway, had been there for probably since I was 12 when I first discovered it. Mm-hmm. So there was always that internal battle. Um, in the year of 2003, my wife discovered my chat room activity through the history of the Internet. Um, I knew just enough about the Internet to get myself in trouble, which I promptly did, because she was already suspicious, which I didn't know. She discovered it and and called me out on the chat rooms. She found images, uh, videos, and, um, I mean, I'd been getting up at midnight after she'd gone to sleep, and I'd go into the office and close the door, and Mm -hmm. um, I had fooled myself into believing she was clueless. So her faith walk is very different because she she grew up partially in the Catholic Church, partly parth, partially can't even talk um, in the Lutheran Church, um, and then after her her parents divorced, which was a very very difficult situation for her, um, she was introduced through her mother to the Pentecostal Church, but she would tell you that she has always known that God is real, that God is her Savior through Christ, um, by the fact that she grew up on a farm, and just by living in nature, looking at the stars and all of that, 
for her, her faith walk was far more solid and stable in her childhood years, way ahead of me. And I think that, quite frankly, is partially what held her together uh, during the time where I, she was starting to recognize that my husband has a problem. Okay. And what about for you? For me, I grew up um, in a denomination that I understood there was God is real. I knew that Jesus was the Son, knew little or nothing about the Holy Spirit. But until I was caught in the middle of my pornography, and I had actually had a, a two-and-a-half-year online relationship with a gal um, in another state who I actually traveled to that state but never met her. And I look back now and realize that God intervened. And this gal said, if I come and meet you, I'll probably never want to let go. So she stayed away. So I didn't understand, to get, get to the relationship with Jesus, I didn't understand that there needed to be a relationship with Christ. And it was not until I was in the midst of the depth of I am now caught, I, the secret's out, my wife is angry, she is deeply hurt. Um, and the night she said, I don't want you in the bed with me, you need to sleep somewhere else in the house, but not here. That was probably more painful than getting caught. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I realized I've got to do something about this um, because now we have children. We have three girls, and I'm on the verge of losing everything in my mind. Yeah. I slip into depression. I'm seeing a therapist taking medication for that. Um March 30th of 2004, we'll skip ahead a period of time, I had been introduced to some new friends in my life with a more Christ-like mindset. Four of these young men are um, vocalists, Christian singers, amazing voices. They asked me to help at their concert. I did. And for the first time in my life when I prayed, I prayed not for myself. Um, And that prayer included for those who are here with heavy hearts, something in nature, may they encounter Christ tonight. The next morning, I, I was awake at home. My wife was off to work, and the kids were in school. I sat on that couch, and I listened to a couple of the songs that that group had sung the night before, over and over and over again. And at that point, all the hurt that I'd been carrying for those 40 years came to the surface, and I begged God in tears on my couch, to please take this from me. I can't do this anymore. I'm dying inside. You've got to help me. Mm-hmm. And I felt, physically felt the weight of 30 or 40 years of pain and sin and filth, shame, lift mm. off of me. It, it was a physical experience. Now, what happened when this was shared with Julie? When she came home that night and I told her what had happened, um, she broke down in tears. Mm -hmm. She gave me a hug. And if I remember correctly, she said, I've been praying for this Mm -hmm. for a long time. And I think for the first time, I genuinely 
apologized from my heart for what I'd done. And so there was a, uh, if I could put it this way, it's almost like there was a new birth Oh yeah, that was happening not only in you, but also now there was a seed that was planted in your relationship of something different, right? Oh, absolutely. There was a greater hope on both of our parts that we were going to get through this at some point, mm-hmm. somehow. Because now she could see that I I was no longer attempting to hide everything because I was still failing. Even after I've been caught, I've been, sure, you know, falling in, on my face. So, Well, and this is, this is why we value story is, uh, you know, listeners, you notice we just got to the point in Dan's story where he finally had a breakthrough finally had a realization that what he'd been carrying is too heavy for him to carry and he needed to start he needed to uh, transition into a whole new way of thinking a whole new way of life and well that may seem like almost a letdown because we're getting close to the end of our time on this program I think it's important that we understand that's important to share uh, so many times we, you know, we're so quick to get to quote unquote the good stuff, and let's just talk about all the transitions that were made, and all the changes, and all the transformation, and all that. And it really doesn't have any kind of impact. There's no real insight gained if you don't know what's behind that, if you don't know what the real story is of the brokenness. And so I just want to thank you, Dan, for being with us here this week to be able to share that with us. And listeners, I hope that something in Dan's story has resonated with you and caused you to realize that there may be things in your own life that you've never shared with anybody, but because of Dan sharing his story, you know you need to talk to somebody. And so that's what we're here for. If you want to talk to somebody about your story, you want to share your story, um, please contact us. We'll give you that information in just a minute. We're glad that you've been with us, and we'll see you back here again next week on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.